Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So we're going to go ahead and read through the fourth chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, or maybe you're just listening along, you can go ahead and do that now. You're going to want to join back in at approximately two minutes. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. All right, let's do observations. (laughs) Uh, Most of my observations for this section come through the first verses of 11. So I'm just going to go through the observations that I have. And we'll talk about the interpretations just for this first half of the chapter. Number one, this portion occurs right after Jesus is baptized with water and the Holy Spirit. Number two, he went to the wilderness to be tempted, it says. Number three, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Number four, I wrote that it looks like Satan waited to tempt him until after he was hungry. So it starts, he starts tempting him after Jesus, it says that Jesus was hungry. Mm-hmm. Number five, the first temptation was food. Number six, Jesus responds from Deuteronomy 8.3. So that's not, again, not directly in the text, but you can take, you can observe, obviously, the cross-references. I'd look up Deuteronomy 8.3 later in the interpretations. Number seven, the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. I have seven divided into two parts. So A is Satan told him that he wanted him to prove that he was the son of God by throwing himself down. And B, the devil used scripture, Psalm 91, 11 through 2, to prove that he should do it. Number eight, Jesus answers, do not put God to the test. That's from Deuteronomy 6, 16. Number nine, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms and offered them in exchange for his worship. Number 10, Jesus responds from Deuteronomy 6, 13, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Number 11, the devil left and angels came and began to serve him. Number 12, verse 12 through 17 opens with John the Baptist is arrested and closes with Jesus taking up his exact same message. Number 13, he withdrew to Galilee of the Gentiles because of John the Baptist's arrest. 
All right, those are my observations for one through 17. So my interpretations then are, I went back then and I looked at Deuteronomy to see each of the different verses and what they meant. And what I noticed actually before I even read all those verses is that what Jesus used when Satan tempted him was scripture within context. So he didn't actually jump around all the different places in the Bible and just quote scripture at him. Mm -hmm. He went back to what he knew in Deuteronomy, which is, is that where all the law is pretty much laid out? Deuteronomy is kind of the book of the law. So that's where God would have established what he wanted his people to do in response to having a relationship Mm -hmm. with him. So to know Deuteronomy really well is to know the law. So when David talks about loving his law, he would mm-hmm. have been talking mostly about Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. right? The story and that was, in Genesis. Right. And that's pretty typical <clears throat> for devout Jews would have known the law backwards and forwards. And so Deuteronomy Jesus, would be that. Right. right. So okay. Jesus would have been raised, even if he wasn't Jesus, he would have been raised knowing the law. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so what I noticed, it was interesting that each of those references that Jesus made went back to that same mm-hmm. scriptural context. And as I think about that, I think about, again, as I've been studying the Holy Spirit and the, and the role of the Holy Spirit, and it's showing up everywhere. As I look at when somebody is receives the Holy Spirit and then how their ministry changes, like Jesus responds to the devil with not just a knowledge of the word and the words, but he knew the meaning. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to digress a little bit here and we might cut this whole part, but I was reading in Acts today, or I was studying in Acts chapter 2, where the tongues of fire come on all of the disciples, and they become baptized by the Spirit. And when that happens, they start speaking in the languages. They list like 15 different Mm -hmm. languages of people that are there, which is about 3,000 people Mm -hmm. that have come to see what's going on because this roaring wind sound has come from this area, and they've all come to look. They hear people speaking all of the miracles of God. And what is interesting about that is that if you observe it carefully... They hear all the mighty miracles of God in their own languages and they're mesmerized and amazed by this. But after all of that, they say, what does it mean? They know what it means. Like they, they can translate the language. They hear the words and they know, they recon- they hear the message. Right. But what does it mean? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so they haven't yet, these people that are listening are receiving the word, but they're not necessarily understanding its meaning, if that makes sense. Well, and it seems too like there's, when they say, what does it mean? They're almost asking like, how is this possible? Right? Right. Because then there's, then after they say that, they say, oh, well, they're just drunk. So so they're trying to give an explanation for why, how these people could possibly be speaking in their own language. Right. And because they don't understand the spirit. Like they don't understand what he's capable of yet. Right. And I guess I was, again, through the interpretation part, I'm thinking like what that is sort of what it's like to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. If you read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, you know the language, mm-hmm. you recognize the words, you can see the story, but what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to me? And what, how does this apply to me? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Jesus clearly knows what the word of God means. And Satan is clearly just throwing out scripture. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, like, yes, it says that, but what it means is, and he, and he refers back to scripture mm-hmm. in context, understanding what it actually means and how it applies to how we should respond to different situations. Similarly, in number 11, when the devil left, the angels come and began to serve him, fulfills Psalm 91, 11, 12 which I find interesting because the Satan basically says, throw yourself down and the angels will come and keep you safe. And so the angels do actually come and mm-hmm. minister to him and take care of him in the mm-hmm. way that Psalm 91, 11 right. through 12 says. 
those are just some observations and interpretations that I made from that section of scripture. And then the application that I took from that was basically that I don't want to just know the word. I don't want to know the word out of context. I don't want to just have verses memorized. Mm-hmm. And memorizing verses is important, but only if you understand what they mean, right. you know, and how to apply them in context and how to use them when you're being tempted or when you're overwhelmed or mm-hmm. circumstances are too much. I just love that portion of Matthew and didn't want to skip it because I feel like it's so relevant to what mm-hmm. we're doing, right? Understanding, reading mm-hmm. scripture in context, studying not just what the words say, but what does it mean? Right. And even how important it is for us as believers to understand how the devil works too, because he's here, he is tempting Jesus and he's tempting him with things that are true. Kind of like if you're the son of God, make the stones bread. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down because you're not going to get hurt. And so he, he tells us things that might have a little bit of truth to them, but mm-hmm. they're twisted, like you were talking about, like taken out of context. And I think even it's a good study in how we can be aware of temptation because it happens in all of our lives too. And just being mm-hmm. aware of how the devil works. And Jesus obviously resisted him partly because he's God and partly because he had good comebacks, you know, like he mm-hmm. was able to respond with actual truth, not twisted truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's also just a good picture of maybe how to be prepared or aware of the way that we can be tempted Mm because we can be tempted in the same way. And I think what you're saying actually resonates with me as I'm raising a teenager and that idea that I want her to know who she is. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're going through that teenage phase, no matter who you are, you always go through that question of, are you really the daughter of God? Of course, Jesus didn't need to prove to Satan that he was the son of God. Right. Both. Both of them knew who he was. Right, exactly. So there was no need to prove it. And so that that certainty of knowing that God is who he says he is, and I am who he says he mm-hmm. is, that can get you through almost anything if you can rest in that. I think that's probably, if I were to respond in prayer after this Bible study, that's where I would go. Is Lord, yeah. always help me remember. Even when you're at your weakest. Mm-hmm. Remember, help me remember who I am. Even when, especially like, when Jesus, I'm at my right, weakest. Especially, because that's when the devil is going to go after you. And of course, then we're missing the whole section. I, I don't know who's joining us, but if you're doing a, if you've really focused on the fasting part, I would love to hear your portion mm-hmm. that just fasting in general, the power in fasting and what it means and how it works is obviously very visible in this section too. So that would be interesting to talk about. So let's do Matthew four eighteen through 25. Do you want to read again? Sure. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. For observations, I only have seven observations in this part. Number one, Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee when he called Simon and Andrew, who were brothers. Number two, Simon and Andrew were casting nets into the sea. 
Number three, Jesus invited them to follow him, and their reward would be to become fishers of people. Number four, still walking along the Sea of Galilee, he called James and John, who were brothers. Number five, they were preparing their nets with their father. Number six, Jesus immediately began preaching and healing all over Galilee. Large crowds, large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, beyond the Jordan. Jesus' works included preaching good news of the kingdom, healing epileptics, healing paralytics, healing demon possession, and healing every kind of disease. Interpretation. As I read it, I really focused in on the fact that Jesus called two sets of brothers. Mm. And I loved that. He chose two sets of brothers who were used to working together. He chose two sets of brothers who were in the midst of doing something else with their fathers. And I think what I liked so much about that is that comforting idea that it's just easier to do something totally scary if you're looking at the person Mm -hmm. next to you and going, okay, are you with me? Yeah, here we go. (laughs) And so anyway, that's really what I focused on is that how gracious of our God to allow us to do this in community with Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. Um, That's totally application. I'm jumping right into application, but how gracious of Jesus to call two brothers together, to not leave one behind. And even as they leave their father behind and they don't seem to even look back, what it was like for him would certainly be something to think about. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think because of where I was in the midst of reading this section, I just really took great comfort in Jesus calling two brothers together. Mm -hmm. Number two, I have Jesus called Simon and Andrew, promising they become fishers of men. And I wrote that I wonder when... They thought it had been fulfilled because along the way, you know, their people are gathering and right. they're gathering crowds with Jesus. And I'm wondering whether at what point they thought that that promise was fulfilled or even if they remembered that promise until much later when it right. definitely was fulfilled. Yeah. And I wonder how much of the, that promise was a motivating factor for them to leave. If Be- that was the draw that yeah. he said he was going to make them fishers of men. Yeah. And because, you know, you hear... So some background that I'm taking into this that I can do in the interpretation phase Mm -hmm. is the idea that it was a big deal to be called into, to be called a disciple of a rabbi, Mm -hmm. right? So those, that was left for like the really intelligent, very promising kids. And so who knows, I don't know exactly how old Simon and Andrew were or James and John, but for a rabbi to come back, speak with authority, and invite them to follow, be his disciples, mm-hmm. maybe this was an opportunity for them that they couldn't refuse, and that maybe their father Zebedee wouldn't have been sad to see them right. go. Maybe it was a great opportunity for them yeah. that he wouldn't have wanted them to miss. I don't know, but yeah, that's interesting because when I read it, I think, what did they think he meant by that? Like that gives a little bit of clarity into what they may have thought that he meant when he said, "I'll make you fishers of men." Because from my perspective, I'm like. Fishers of men. Like my random this translation says, I will make you fish for people. What? (laughs) Like that just kind of sounds crazy, which is like one of the many things that Jesus says that sounds a little bit crazy. Right. But that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about it that way before. Right. And I'm not taking credit for that. I don't remember where I was when I heard that. But it was that provides a little bit of context for maybe having some answers for what the what thoughts might have been. So for application When I feel called to step out and follow Jesus into something scary and uncharted, it's a relief when he also provides someone to come along Mm -hmm. with me. At the time that I was doing this, my friend Kelly was leaving here, and Mm -hmm. Kelly was a huge 
I have a tendency to come up with like these big ideas. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that any of them would ever happen unless somebody beside me goes, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kelly was that person for me with Illuminate. So Illuminate is this big women's fellowship event that we have here in Guantanamo Bay and it serves well, last time we had a little over 100 people mm-hmm. came, and it's just a beautiful event with lights, and people get to hear with lights. That's with lights. my favorite that's part. The, that's the best part, really. <laughs> Glittering lights all over, and people get to hear about God's goodness. And just one day, in the midst of one of like the darkest times that I was having here, mm-hmm. I had this idea of something that I wanted to do, and Kelly was right beside me with a gifting, a set of giftings that was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And truly She's truly gifted. Yes. And so she came alongside of me and Illuminate happened and it's continued to happen. And as I was, so Kelly was leaving at this point when I was reading this, but also you and I (laughs) decided to do podcasting and that became something that we were, a direction that we were headed toward. And again, it's one of those things that I don't even have a vision for it by myself. The only vision that I have for it is that it would be a conversational experience and so the fact that we're even starting down this road and we have no idea what it's going to look like or what it's going to turn into I just feel that same gratitude to Jesus and to God that they Mm -hmm. think that two is better than one Mm -hmm. most times Mm -hmm. sometimes we go down all the roads but sometimes he calls us down a road with good friends so I love that I don't remember in your observations if you said anything about the word immediately did you talk about how it says I remember seeing old men by their fishing boats fixing their nets all the time like it's that is a vivid something I can picture and their traps it was a lobster town to think about someone just some random guy that's the other thing too like I'm sure that Simon and Andrew and James and John had heard of Jesus because like rumor things spread like wildfire and so I'm sure Mm -hmm. they had heard about what he was doing but had they met him before had they gone and seen him or heard him teach what was their background with Jesus and then to just drop what you're doing and walk away without tying up any loose ends. Because that's yeah. what it seems like. Mm-hmm. They just immediately they up their nets and followed him. And that is, it makes me a little bit panicky. It, do, it does. And honestly, that's how I feel almost every time. Lately, I feel like everything that I'm looking at in scripture, you know, that you just there's a theme. Right. And I feel like everything that I'm looking at is, there's that passage in Luke, I think it is, where he talks about, what it's going to be like when people are on, their ra- are on the rooftops doing something and one disappears and mm-hmm. one stays and one's in bed and one goes mm-hmm. and one stays, like what people talk about being the rapture. Jesus specifically says, you better not go back for something. Like don't even take a moment to look back and try to tie up any loose ends. This mm-hmm. is the, whatever the next thing is, go, don't wait. And I feel like that's so much of, that's what we're looking at here is James and John were like, this is my opportunity. I'm going. I'm not, yeah. there's no time to tie up loose ends. I yeah. have to go. And Jesus even says that to the other guy that wants to follow him. And he says, mm-hmm. there's no time to right. go. You want to go right. bury your dead. You're not cut out for this. Like, yeah. let the dead bury their dead. Come yeah. follow me. And it's unnerving. Mm-hmm. But when I think about it, that is so much of how he works. So often you find yourself and you're like, okay, now, I'm, now yeah. I'm doing this. <laughs> yes. But even that <laughs> ties back to the fact that he had them do it with someone else. Mm-hmm. And even though there's a lot of unknown and it's really abrupt and terrifying, he he gives them that gift of doing it with someone else. Yes. The two things go together. They have, they're leaving something behind. Mm-hmm. Like even if, 
even if you talk about that scripture that looks like rapture, like they may be leaving somebody behind, but they're going to be with Jesus, right. you know, or they're leaving somebody behind, but they're going to be with Jesus with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you get to go, it's, it is community. Like right. there's always somebody with you, mm-hmm. even though you are saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy. I think that covers it. Do you have anything else? I do want to mention one other application that I have written here because I'm thinking again in terms of all of scripture instead of just what I'm looking at, but how what I'm looking at applies. It says, I might step out in faith and see Jesus do incredible miracles and get swept away in the magnificence of it all. The end of the journey, it might feel like I'm right back where I started because when you think about it, that's exactly where Jesus finds them again. They're back at their fishing boat. To be more clear, so they go and they do this ministry with Jesus for three years. He dies, and mm-hmm. before they find him risen again, they're at their, they're back where they started. They're fishing, and who knows what's next for them. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote, I might feel like we're right back where we started, the, until the Holy Spirit is ready to do his next big thing, because that's all his work anyway. And I'm just loved. So yeah you can end up feeling like you're just back where you started and you're on this big journey doing great things. And I think that's sort of the same idea that I was feeling, you know, Kelly leaving and illuminate and I'm moving and I have no idea what the next place is going to feel like. And it might feel like, okay, I'm back at the beginning where Mm -hmm. there's no, I'm starting all over from scratch, scratch. but it doesn't matter anyway. Like it's all him. And the Mm -hmm. whole point is just that I'm loved. Right. Whether I'm doing anything or not. Right. I have a relationship with the God of the universe, which is awesome. And then even, it might feel like you're starting from scratch, and yet think about the disciples and all that they had learned in those three years Mm -hmm. with Jesus. Even though they ended up back where they were starting or where they started at their nets, when it was time for them to jump into ministry after Jesus was gone, they had all of that years of experience. Yeah. So even that, like when we feel like we're starting back at the beginning we're not really because right. God is always working in us. And mm-hmm. so sometimes it's hard to it's hard to see maybe and it might feel like we're back at the beginning and yet we still have those years of relationship with him to mm-hmm. jump start off of. Mhm. And all of this seems like it's the thing. Right. But the truth is is probably at some point in the near future or distant future he's going to go that's actually not what it was all about. Right. Like it's all about this thing right now. Yeah. Because that's typically how that works. And it makes me think of Jesus's resurrection when he comes back and he's talking to them along the road and he has to explain what the past three years were actually Mm -hmm. about, how he fulfilled every prophecy. And he does that. He likes to do that, I think. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.